Hi, everyone. I'm Paul, otherwise known as Pastor Paul on the Post-Evangelical Podcast. And, you know, once a month, my wife and I get together and we talk religion and politics, the two things you're never supposed to talk about at parties. I'm a former senior pastor of a church, and my wife is a former elected official as the two-term mayor of our city of Fresno, a city of about 500,000 people. And we love to look at current events, political and otherwise human, from a religious and political perspective, because we believe the politics of the church is destroying the message of the church. And we think mixing politics of right-wing ideology and the theology of the evangelical Christian church are destroying our country. And so we think Christians, as Christians, we have to put our voice in the space and say, God is not a Republican and doesn't require you to be one. And so we're going to talk today about that, how that ties in to emotional and spiritual well-being. That is the motto of my work in the Pastor Paul community is to pursue emotional and spiritual well-being. So my wife and I talk a little bit about what does emotional and spiritual well-being look like and, and how is the church not done well in those areas in the past? And then how does that impact our politics and what we see happening in massively hypocritical politics happening around us today and what a threat that is to the country and how we can turn those things around if we start to think about people instead of politics and human beings instead of getting to heaven. Emotional and spiritual well-being, it's our topic today. And hey guys, if you like what I do here on the Post-Evangelical Podcast and in the Pastor Paul community and work that I do, go to my website, pastor-paul.com, check out all the options there, and particularly give me your email address for our e-newsletter, the Insider insiders newsletter each week so you can know what's going on in the pastor paul community so go to pastor-paul.com see all the cool stuff there sign up for our newsletter and if you can give us some uh, just a little bit of financial support each month to help facilitate all the free content we do on an ongoing basis and keep the work of the pastor paul community going now my wife ashley joins me and we talk religion and politics on the Post-Evangelical Podcast, and we join our discussion in progress as we talk about the Deconstruction You group that we have going on right now in the Pastor Paul community. Hope you enjoy this discussion as much as we enjoy bringing it to you on the Post-Evangelical Podcast and pastor-paul.com. Hope you're says, I love Deconstruction You. I, I didn't speak, but it was amazing. Oh, good. That's good feedback. I I really was pretty... I actually, I started crying twice in the middle of it. Oh, you did? I did. Wow. I know. Not because it was bad or... No, problem. no. I It was just like, I feel like, I just feel like this, you are, you and the group and like, I mean, it's not just, it's it's a whole big thing. I'm not saying it's just you. But obviously, I am biased. I think you're amazing. Um, but I just feel like like layers are being peeled back. There's this deconstruction process where at first everything feels so scary and 
you know, you've, you're, the whole point of Deconstruction U is to create a safe space for, for people who have similar questions to kind of find each other and not, and not be kicked out of the club, you know, and not be, you know, divorced from their family. And it's just, it's a safe place for people to connect around deconstruction and just kind of reevaluating, re you know, if, if the evangelical interpretation of the Bible, in fact, should be let go of, or just put along, you know, put in line with a long list of other religious interpretations of, you know, whatever scripture, um, boy, you really do rethink your life and you really do think like, whoa, so it really is about loving other people. Like what if that is, in fact, the spirit, you know, like the whole point, the whole thing is just how we're connecting with one another. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very powerful. It's uh, our, our motto is, is pursuing emotional and spiritual well-being together. And so we're saying like, if Jesus wasn't saying, I'm here to make you into Christians yeah, and to, and to join a Christian sect and everybody else is going to hell, but instead said, I've, I've come to sozo you, to reconcile you to your original relationship with God that religious people talked you out of yeah. and told you you couldn't have that relationship anymore. Yeah. I think it makes all the difference in the world of how it's, we live. It's really, it is, it like takes my breath away, to be honest. Um, so anyway, I started crying a couple times during the mm. session because I just thought it was really sweet and, and um, just revealing such a powerful, true kind of feeling of god and love it was a it was a presence like god's presence and, uh, and what i loved was um people saying okay i'm kind of scared by what we're delving into i'm a, I'm a little bit scared that we're you know walking away from what i've always believed and i think we have to be present to that that it's scary to leave your long-held beliefs behind and, and maybe i would say more it's very courageous it is courageous and I believe commanded by the Bible to leave those beliefs behind. So, oh gosh, that was the bet. Like, well, I feel like there was the one thing about deconstruction you is that you cover so much in one session. I know like, it's almost really, too much. Yeah. You really could break out that one session tonight in like two or three different topics. And thankfully there is Bible talk for this because yesterday's Bible talk, which I still haven't listened to, but you told me about it was all about Job, Job really being the first kind of deconstructioning guy <laughs> and, true. or the, you know, the, the, you're right. No, that's a good way to say it. And that was really, really profound. And it was like, actually the deconstruction process is how Job found God. Yeah. He didn't get like healed from his deconstruction. He actually found authentic God. And then God blessed, like said, like, see, you did it. That's what you're supposed to do. And the conclusion is the ones that were certain that they knew who God was and had the certainty of their religious beliefs, at the end of it all, God says, um, you guys better have Job pray for you. Yeah. The, the guy that was questioning yeah. me and accusing me of being unfair, you better have that guy pray for you because your certainty is bad. If God is big, like evangelicals believe that God is, that God can take being chewed out. And that's what Job did in the story of Job. He said, you're not fair. The thief and the adulterer end up in the same place as me. That's not fair. You're not a fair God. And at the end of it all, God has this interaction with Job and he mocks Job a little bit. They fight, they wrestle. And in the end, God says, 
Way to go, Joe. Well, you're the man. Um, so our question for tonight. Spiritual spirituality versus religion. Was that the question? Well, I feel like talking about spiritual and emotional well-being is the same as kind of drilling into spiritual health versus, you know, so we could, I think, just go at it that way. Okay. So if, if you go to the website, pastor-paul.com, you'll see our tagline on there is pursuing emotional and spiritual well-being together. Um, and so what does that mean to pursue emotional and spiritual well-being? I believe that Jesus did not come to start a new religion called Christianity. He didn't come to start a religion called Jesusianity. Um, Jesus' teachings were to connect humanity back to a partnership with heaven that didn't need religion in between to insulate that connection between heaven and earth. That, that the point of salvation or sozo, which is the Greek word for saved or salvation in the New Testament, is sozo, which means to be reconciled body, mind, and soul, not just get to eternity and get to heaven, but to have a life to the full, as Jesus said, he came to bring here. And so emotional and spiritual well-being is like, how am I doing in my body? How am I doing in my spirit? And how am I doing in my mental health? And I think the church has failed miserably in the past to be attentive to emotional health of its followers and just, oh, just read the Bible and Jesus, Jesus will fix it and it'll all be good. Um, and, and, and we have severely neglected emotional well-being. So our goal is to say, we want to see people wholly healed, W-H-O-L-L-Y, healed body, mind, and soul, body, mind, and spirit. And so spirituality without religion is just like, hey, I get to be connected to heaven, whatever heaven or God or the universe looks like to me. And I get to have that interaction freely without the need of a religion or a religious belief system to take me there. And in fact, I'm just in a season where I feel like religion actually gets in the way of that connection. And we need to say, imagine there's no heaven, as John Lennon said, imagine there's no religion and imagine we just get to connect to the, to, to, to the divine spirit over the universe all on our own. Why your website, that's the tagline, pursuing emotional and spiritual well-being together is because the church, first of all, creates a lot of the problems people are dealing with that get in the way of emotional and spiritual health. Um, and there's absolutely no outlet. In fact, it's, I mean, it's stigmatized. I'm saying stuff that like is not particularly insightful. Everyone's kind of thinks this already. But um, but I think what you're trying to do is, um, is like actually, um, actually create a path where we're not just talking about concepts of like, oh, you know, we should pursue mental health. We should pursue emotional and spiritual well-being. Like, right. How do you actually do that? How do you, what are the practical steps? How do you like live that out? Yeah. So I think that's what you're trying to pursue. And um, I don't know. There's just a lot. There's a lot to yeah. unpack there. So we think the goal is not just to get somebody to say a prayer and declare themselves a Christian and I get to go to heaven when I die. But is it Psalm 27 says, I would have despaired had I not believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living that I, that I, if I wouldn't see goodness from heaven 
played out and manifest and portrayed on this dirt is what the literal translation of that is. I would, I would be really sad. And so I don't believe we're just supposed to go, oh, well, someday come quickly, Jesus, get us out of here and let this place go to hell in a handbasket. It is our job as followers of Christ to change and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and advance the kingdom of heaven on earth. So that doesn't mean like growing big churches and having a lot of converts. It means bringing justice to the poor, the foreigner, the widow, the, the historically marginalized, that those things have to matter to us if we're a true follower of Christ. I think too, like um, we've talked a lot lately about spiritual bypasses um, that, um, that I think Chris is really kind of underscoring there. And that can look like, you know, like just, yeah, faith it, memorize scripture, you know, just kind of, it's essentially like avoiding, um, avoiding, avoiding the pain, avoiding the, the, the real issue that maybe, you know, is causing your emotions to rise up and say like, ah, something's going on here. Something's going on here. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't good tools, that there aren't good, you know, behaviors that you can, that you, that are really useful in the Christian discipline, um, that can help you work through, but like actually dealing with the pain, feeling it, working it through, that's all the kind of stuff that, you know, I know you, you've been, you've been really kind of leading our family into, and that's been extremely, um, powerful. The Bible was written when we didn't understand these things. So of course they wouldn't have necessarily a reference to it, or they would put it in the realm of the demonic, but we know more now than they knew when the Bible was written. We, we know the world is round. They didn't know that. And since they didn't know about ADHD and the other mental health issues out there, then they wouldn't have written about them in the Bible, or they would have put them in the realm of the demonic. And we have done incredible incredible damage to people in the church. I shudder to think of what we've done. So, yeah. I think if you're struggling with a mental health issue, which by the way, who doesn't, I mean, like this is, this is whether it's, um, a lifelong condition that is something that you've got to constantly be working with or Medicaid or have various forms of treatment, or there's something kind of short term in your life, like, hello, this is all 100% of us. Um, but if you're in that place, like, I mean, I can, I can remember so many times being active in my church for many, many years where, yeah, we just try to pray stuff away, pray it away, pray it away. And, and it doesn't always, it doesn't go away necessarily. And so people would, they would honestly, they would probably like to start, com stop coming to church or at some point they get the message that, um, they're not good enough for God to step in and help them like other people may be, but they're not. And it creates this whole, like shutdown like it, it shame and shutdown happens so um i'm thinking like even right now for those of you who are saying like yeah i'm adhd or anxious or whatever like i feel like um the reverse of what the church does which is leaning into that part of you that is feeling that is carrying that burden and like and being like man you're you're right to be worried about that or you're right to be anxious about that and like just loving on yourself which you know, we all carry the love of God in us. You can love on yourself and actually, you know, experience that freedom. Like it's okay to have these struggles, you know, yeah. um, seek professional help as much as possible. But, but the sort of self talk and self love 
no matter what, I mean, there may be a lot of other things that you need help with, but a lot, I mean, no matter what, learning to love yourself. And I don't mean just saying that, but actually learning to love yourself. That's a really important and hard thing to do. Yeah. And we're, we're working on that ourselves on our own emotional health journeys. And I think that's really important. And if you, you know, I saw you're, you're disabled and gay. Um, God is not, none of those are an indication that God is disappointed in you. I just, I just find those teachings to be so horrifying and I wish Christians would stop doing it because Jesus didn't come to condemn says John three seventeen. He came to reconnect us to heaven and to break the bondage of religion from that. So yeah, it's crazy, crazy. So that's what emotional and spiritual well-being. So not only do we do like we have a Sunday morning kind of online church service where we take communion together, share life, a Bible talk. Uh, we have mindfulness moments on Tuesday morning where we have sort of corporate time of introspection and and interaction with the divine of heaven, but also coaching and and groups where we learn deeper and more deeply together so that we can fully be living an abundant life again, which I think is what Jesus said. He came to bring a life to the full. Did I explain that? Well, I think so. Okay. I mean, I guess others will be the judge of that, but, <laughs> um, so uh, what, but what else did you want to Lena says? Yes. They said, I just needed to ask God to heal the mental health issues and just pray. Yeah. Yeesh. What else? What? What else were you wanting to delve into when you said we need to talk, talk about emotional and spiritual? Well, I just think those are, those are the important points of it, is that I, I think evangelicalism and Western Christianity has pressed against the emotional well-being portions of what healthy life looks like, what life to the full looks like. And, and we just want to break that open and just say, do not listen to your church when they tell you your problems are demonic um, because it's probably not demonic and in very and some of the things we used to call demonic i now know are like real legitimate physiological mental protections that we've been given as fearfully and wonderfully made creatures so i shudder to think what we've done to call things demonic and say we're going to cast that demon out of you and do real damage Hope you're enjoying this podcast from my wife and I, Ashley. We love to talk religion and politics, and we love to even do it in mixed company. We're not afraid because we're learning together how to do it. I, I just want to make you aware that part of the work that my wife and I have done in our emotional and spiritual well-being has included some really good mentors and coaches in our lives. And it's a big reason I've been influenced to do coaching in this season. If you're struggling to think of what does this transition look like as I step out of my community belief system? What does my transition season look like as maybe I'm wondering what's next in my purpose in life or why am I struggling to get over the hump? My coaching can help. I, I've been a pastor for almost 25 years and now in the coaching I'm doing is by far the best pastoring I'm, I've ever done. If you're saying, why does this keep happening to me? Why am I struggling? Why can't I get over this hurdle? Why do I not have a voice to speak for myself? Why am I struggling with my identity as my belief systems are changing? All of those are questions that are asked and can be answered by working with a coach. 
and I think I'm one of the best around. Reconstruction U is the name of my coaching service, my exclusive online curriculum, working with other people who are on the same journey as you, who will affirm that you are not alone. We will do this together through coaching with Pastor Paul. It's called Reconstruction You. Go to my website at pastor-paul.com, click on the learning and coaching button, and you'll find out all about Reconstruction You and how you can start to see a new vision and new purpose in this season and walk out an emotional and spiritual well-being that is powerful, transformative, and sustainable. And that's one of the key terms. Can you keep it going and keep it self-replenishing so you can do so? If you're interested at all, I do charge for this because this is how I earn a living and keep my work going. Just send me an email through the website at pastor-paul.com and we can work through how we can best support you. We have several different options inside of Reconstruction U and I want you to be a part of it. Reconstruction U is about reconstructing you as you're deconstructing some of the belief systems that have held you captive for so long. There is a process to work through that can set you on a course for vision and purpose that you've never known before and an emotional and spiritual well-being that you can pursue in community with others. Pastor-Paul.com is the place to check it all out. Reconstruction You. I'm ready to work with you today in the Pastor-Paul.com community. Now back to my discussion with my wife, Ashley, and we look at religious politics the danger and damage and hypocrisy it's creating in our country today. Hope you enjoy. We like to talk about the week that happened. WTH. Um, why did I get kicked out of a church when they found out I was a teen mom? Because sometimes Christians, Christians are just suck. mean and suck. <laughs> we do. We are just sometimes the worst. So. In the week that happened, one of the TikToks I did this week was of Stephanie Grisham. Uh, now, I'm, we're interested in this because we were talking about this and Ashley said she has we a, have a debate. This week. is a family debate. So this here. is what we like when we start arguing about these things. We just go, let's just talk to TikTok about it. Yeah. We have a different, different. I have a different point of view. So Stephanie Grisham is the former, what would it, what was her position with the Trump administration? She was in the communication yeah. world at this, you know, I don't, I, I never saw her on camera. She was the like director that. of public relations. Well, maybe we could look like it up. Anyway, she was on The View and like, and, and so I was saying like my, my friend, uh, you know, I like to say that all of these guys are grifters. You know, we see Bill Barr, we see, uh, John, what was John Bolton, these guys who could have done something when Trump was corrupt and doing illegal things as president. Instead, they're now writing books, trying to uh, purge their history so that history will look on them kindly. And so she was on the view saying, you know, what Trump did with Putin while he was president was he cowered against a man that he was terrified of. And he told Putin behind the scenes, like, I'm going to try to say some things about you that aren't very nice, but, but you and I both know we'll work, we'll work better together. And I don't know that that's out of line. I think presidents probably have done that before, but I think we saw Trump cower to Putin on camera in Helsinki. So, um, but I was very, very, uh, I have no respect for Mike Pence or Stephanie Grisham or Bill Barr or John Bolton or anyone else 
who um, now wants to try to change history and say, we're the good guys uh, when they could have done something and stood up when the president was actually doing criminal things as president of the United States. You disagree. I Here's where I disagree. First of all, this woman was the, um, she was the, it says she was the, the White House communications director. That's it. July 2019 to April 2020. And then she was the chief of staff to the first lady. It says 2020 to 2021. I'm not clicking on the link. So it's, there's more detail there. Okay. Anyway, okay. here's what I think different from different from um, Mike Pence. All right. Okay. I don't feel like she's coming out trying to act like, like kind of have her cake and eat it too. I think she's saying, you know, I, you know, I got sucked in or I chose to be a part of this. I'm blowing this up now. And I want to be a part of creating an off ramp for people because a lot of people need to get off the Trump train. And I, so I hear your point about, you know, you, you should have blown the whistle right in the moment. You should have, what is it in soccer? Like a yellow card or a red card? Yes. You have to do that. The, the red card, like you should have done that. I don't disagree, but also kind of what you're saying is like, there's no chance because these are famous people who are now making money off of their confessions. And I appreciate Correct. the cynicism that comes from that. I do. But also ha there are millions and millions and millions and millions of people who are everyday regular people who voted for Trump, who it really would be in everyone's best interest if there was a path forward for them to not be stuck in a lot of that old thinking. So if we're constantly just like blowing everybody up when they come out of that, what is, what, like, I don't know. I just feel like that. I feel hopeless when you put it that way, you know, because I think, I think people do need to be able to come forward and say, um, you know, this is where I was at. Um, this is why, and I'm choosing something different now. And there needs to be like receiving those people, not being like, where were you in 2020? You know, that's how I see it. <laughs> so if, Joe Blow MAGA hat wearer on the street wants to say, I was wrong about Trump and I am a hundred percent on board with you. You can be Nicodemus coming at night saying, I don't want my friends to know, but I'm getting it. But Stephanie Grisham writing a book and going on the view. I think, I think I have a reason to be a little That's bit That's more jaded. about her than. And, yeah. Okay, so I hear you on that. So I, I, and oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You well, go. I think that um, I I think it's difficult for Joe Blow wearing a MAGA hat if there's if there's an ecosystem of like here's what's waiting for you when you walk forward and out of your you know your previous political positions. A lot of shame, a lot of condemnation. We're going to scrub you down with a Brillo pad. We're going to you know pour acid on your body and then like you know, okay, fine. You can, you can have like served your, your time for being a Trump supporter. It's if, if we're talking about people that way, like the sort of the, the whole lot of them, it puts more barriers up, you know, it makes people think like, oh, see, there are all those, you know, condemning liberal elites over there on the left who, you know, who think they're better than us. And that it actually reinforces them saying entrenched. Now, Having said that, I think you have a good point about is it is it the case that any average Joe in front of Target wearing a MAGA hat will change his his or her point of view because of Stephanie Grisham? How did that just happen? How did that just happen? <laughs> How did you get a hat? I don't know. Some oh, it's a scent cap. Whatever. <laughs> I thought for a second somebody sent me a, a MAGA hat. Oh, um, well, thank you for the gift. 
anyway, but um, <laughs> that was that. I'm sorry, that took me back. But like, um, but but I, so I don't. Your I think your point is right in that the average resident or the average person isn't going to change their mind because of Stephanie Grisham. And so therefore it's like her way of like having five minutes of fame and like getting some money. But I don't know what I, given everything I just said about people do need to have an off ramp. I'm still not sure the right thing to do is to like blow up the bridge that somebody who's famous is trying to get out on. And maybe, you know, Bill Barr, I cannot oh, forget. Can't. And listen, because he's not saying what this woman is saying and right. neither is Mike Pence. You know, that he's not saying like, oh, my God, he is, you know, Trump is an absolute terror nightmare. Run, don't walk away from him. He's like, look at me. Look at me. He's so I have no room for that. I have honestly have no room for Mike Pence. And also Ooh, for the same reason. Also, Stephanie Grisham would not say that she won't vote for Trump in 2024. So, yes, he's okay, horrible. That's... He's terrible. He's it. But I might vote for him again. You know, that I mean, doesn't make any sense. But. Mike Pence and Bill Barr, when we talk about them, like Bill Barr was the head lawyer of the United States of America. Uh, uh, yeah, he, no, he is. I agree. He was the, the, the protector of law in yeah. the United States, and he totally subjugated himself. 100%. To and it's a different function to be like a communications team that's like, oh, you know, kind of your, your job is the spin factor versus you are upholding the black and white of the law and you are you, you, you hold the integrity of one, you know, one part of the governmental system is like, you know, on your shoulder. So I agree with you on that. And point. when the second impeachment was happening, um, well, after the first impeachment, after the Mueller report came out, Barr gave a summary of it that totally perverted what the Mueller report said. Totally true. Uh, Roadside he, bomb. He squashed it. Um, I, I mean, I think Bill Barr is like one of the real criminals in the history of the United States. And for him to come out writing a book about how bad Donald Trump was, Bill Barr, you need to write a book about how bad you were. And he's a Catholic. He's a Christian. He's a follower. He's another one of these Christians that thinks I can do bad things in government to a good end. And it just makes me super angry. And so Mike Pence and Bill Barr you know, not to not to stand up and do something when they were sitting there watching watching criminal things happen in front of their face and trying to clean up history, particularly Pence, because he wants to be president of the United States. And who would vote for that guy for president is all I have to ask. It okay. just makes me really, really. Uh, so I think I think we are we are in alignment on that point okay. of sort yeah. of like the the famous people and there's the, i i still draw a distinction between a pence or a bar and this lady grisham okay but i want to put that aside for a minute and i want to talk about like like how do you think about the average voter who is like you know actually you know it might not be a full conversion you know it might just be like yeah i'm walking away from like how do we create that bridge should that bridge even be there because i mean you could argue maybe not, but I mean, I know what I would argue that you have, you have to have a bridge. There has to be a way for people to come back into a democratic society and feel heard. Things that are important to them have to feel heard. They have to be a part of integrating and creating new solutions with people who don't think like they do. So how does that happen? Well, you said you, why don't you give your answer since you, you said you had an answer? No, my, I'm just saying, I believe it's important that it happens. I don't really know how to. Oh, well, this in, in the space that I'm in, this is what everybody's talking about. How do we get conservatives 
and liberals and Trump voters and Biden voters to sit down at the table. Um, and part of my answer is like Trump voters have to be willing to hear something they don't want to hear. Yeah. They have to be willing to hear hard things and not scream and run from the table. Right. And every, because there are a ton of people trying to make these conversations happen. And a lot of them reach out to me and they, and the thing they say, that's always the same. This I hear from every one of them. We can't get conservatives to sit at the table. They don't want to that's have discussions. Exactly. And that is exactly what I was going to say. It, you have to have both sides of the conflict. Right. Both sides have to affirm the humanity and the value of the other side. That ha that has to be a foundational, like, and this is where I go back to those of us who've been walking around saying we're, you know, we're Christians and we believe in Jesus and we believe in the Bible. If we, if, if we have all people, like we we are to build the foundation. We are to build the space where we can say, hey, we have value for for people even who don't agree with them. Like that's how we lead. We don't, we're not the ones who are supposed to be blowing that stuff up, which is what we do now. If if and if that is missing from society, like you see what we get. Yeah. Right. So like the evangelical church derailing the value for all people is a major threat to a democratic society. Major threat. Okay. Now, evangelical Christians, far right, you know, the right, the, the religious right will say that, you know, um, the threat to a democratic society is abortion and gay marriage. That's not true. Correct. The threat to a democratic society and freedom is when a major voting block is like, we're going to blow up all these other people because they're pro, -li you know, not pro-life or they're gay marriage. Right. Like, anyway, so you're right to say. Like, and can I add to that? And when moral people or Christian people say evil deeds are okay to get us to the, to be the means oh, yeah, to yeah. get us to the end oh, of banning right. abortion. Because, and, and it's always fault because Democrats do it, you know, yeah. Democrats do all that, whatever. You know what? First of all, probably not nearly as much as you think. A, B, it doesn't mean that you, you know, you can do whatever you want. Right. So there's nothing in the Bible that says, well, if they're doing it, it's okay for you yeah. to do it. So that, you know, that means to an end of, we believe banning, you know, if, if Christians say God wants the banning of abortion and the banning of gay marriage more than anything else. Yep. And so any means to get there is okay. Then you're not reading the Bible. You, you do not understand this, uh, the teachings of Jesus. This is what for the 11 people who are on this TikTok with us right now. <laughs> And six on and YouTube. six on YouTube. <laughs> and the 25 others who will watch this on Paul's website. This is what I want, I want you to hear. This is what I want to say. If you are a person who loves God, you're like, but I kind of think I am supposed to be a center-right person. I don't really, you know, I mean, I'm nervous about what's been going on with Trump, but I kind of still do think that, you know, we're supposed to be voting Republican. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about sacrificial love. I want you to think about the love of Jesus. When you think about people being poured out, you know, a, a person being poured out, giving his life for, for, for people who actually killed him. Okay. We are called to sacrificial love mm -hmm. for the people in our communities. And so if you can't be the person in your town square who can meet anybody and everybody there, Muslims, gay people, abortion rights people, 
you know, environmentalists, whoever you have been convinced is the boogeyman of society, if you can't go to the middle of your town square and sit there and see those people the way Jesus sees them and love them the way Jesus loves them to the best of your ability, then you better, you better keep praying. You better keep reading your Bible. You better keep evaluating your heart because that is in fact what we are called to do. We are, we are to be the bridge builders and we are to, we are to help carry other people's agendas and visions and aspirations for the future. That's what we do and sacrifice to one another per the Bible. Yeah. That's what society's about. And I think what right-wing evangelical Christianity has become is the antithesis of the teachings of Jesus. It's not like a little bit off and needs to be tweaked. It has become the opposite of what Jesus taught, that it is anti-Christ. It is not a Christian religion anymore. Um, it is now, but we were just doing our deconstruction you group and we're, and, and I was quoting this really cool thing about, it was from a Catholic document I read that, that the Bible is and always has been a subversive document against power and wealth. Uh, it is a document that has been written in a way from start to finish, every different book, every different writer, to be a cultural pushback to say, whoever is the cultural power broker, you're the ones we're against. And that that it is a bottom-up, let's lift all into justice and welfare, and that's where the earth will find its welfare. That's where humanity will find its welfare. And so to take Christian teaching and say, we're supposed to impose, win political power and impose that on others is anti-Christ. It is the opposite of the teaching of Christ. Antichrist isn't a person coming someday to fight a war against any country out there. Antichrist is, is a spirit, a mindset that exists very prevalently in America today. And it's we should, really we should all world. stand against it. Yes. Around the world, of course. Um, Okay. I so, just know it best here. So we land the plane with this. We say, um, thanks for hanging out with us. Really happy that you found us. Um, and tell some folks, pastor-paul.com. Um, would love to have you involved in the ongoing work of what Paul is up to. And you can read more about it on his website. Yeah. Pastor-paul.com. Give us your email address to get on our insider's newsletter. And if you would, if you can... I know it's a little bit scary with prices out there and stuff right now, but if you can uh, help support us at whatever level you can afford to do, that would be awesome because this is what I, I want to be able to provide as much free content as we can. And of course, we sell coaching services and all of those things you can check out. We'll see you soon. Bless you, bless you.